0: some verses from the scriptures together. Callum, can we add the Philippians, the second one, the um, chapter three? We're going to, uh, I'm going to read this together, and uh, I shall look at the screen just in case I've got a different version here. Uh, but let's, let's read these words of scripture together. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And just a a verse or two from Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. As I was thinking of uh, um, uh, just waiting on the Lord for a message um, for this morning, I wanted to focus really a message for Duncan and for Anna, and, uh, but it it's obviously applies to every single one of us. We send you out with our blessing and our prayers. And we are grateful to God for all that they have given us and shared with us. And we're prayerful for you uh, that you will take hold of all that Christ Jesus has taken hold of you for. And we all want that, don't we? We want to take hold of why Jesus took hold of us. Jesus took hold of us to save us, yes, but also to be involved in his kingdom work to be involved in all that he is doing on planet Earth until he comes again. We recognize today that God has led Duncan and Anna and, uh, into a new work, into a new place. And so we want to pray for them this morning and for ourselves. Our prayer for you, Duncan and Anna, is that God shape you and refine you and mold you and fill you. That you might be all that God intends you to be. And when we pray for that for them, we pray that for ourselves. And this is more about character than accomplishments. God is more interested in who we are than what we do. The world measures things on what you do. You know, I was looking through a list on Google of people who had great in their names... Alfred the great and Alexander the great and all these and there was a Hugo the great and there was all th- and it was interesting that they actually some of them gave them that gave themselves the name isn't that wonderful i'm great call me great particularly emperors because they had the clout to do that and if you didn't call them great you were in a lot of trouble but greatness in the kingdom of god is so different if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, Jesus said you are to become a servant. It's about character, not accomplishment. Who we are, not we, what we can achieve. We recognize that Duncan and Anna are gifted and anointed by God for a specific task. And yes, we pray that they will be used by God. And I do pray that word of harvest over your lives. But what I would want to pray more for you and for me and for all of us is that our characters become more and more Christ-like. And where do we get inspiration from? We get inspiration from... Uh, saints of old who have gone before us. There are people who I treasure in my heart who have left an indelible mark on my my spirit as people I I looked to and saw Jesus in and seek to be a little bit more like them. And in being a little bit more like them, I'm a bit more like Jesus. We look to that great cloud of witnesses as well that uh, the writer to the Hebrews talked about. And when I was thinking of this, I was uh, uh, reading through uh, a book by um, Bill Hybels on, on leadership. And he was so clear about this. Leadership is about character. Foremost is about character. Discipleship is about character. Foremost. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is uh, King David. And he was regarded by the Jews as the greatest king that they had ever had. And they looked back to his years as the golden years. David was called by God as a very young man. He was anointed to be king by the prophet Samuel still while King Saul was on the throne. And no one else would have chosen him. When when the prophet Samuel went to anoint the son of of Jesse, he had all the sons come by and and he thought, oh yeah, that's the one, that's the one. No, God said, no, no, till all the sons had run out. Have you got any more? Oh yeah, he's a shepherd boy. Call him in. Then God said yes. Why? God tells us. He said, he found in David a man after God's, heart a man after his own heart not oh david's going to be an amazing warrior king he found a man after his own heart because as the bible says god looks at the heart man looks on the outward appearance god looks at the heart and he's seeking people with a heart after him now david unquestionably was full of He had a capacity to see things that were not come to be because he knew that God was with him. He knew that whatever situation he walked into, he had the advantage in that situation because God was with him. And he would attempt great things for God that others wouldn't. Remember the time when the, the Israelites faced up to the Philistines amazing story if you want to read it through in the Bible. It's fantastic. And the Philistines are all go, you know, in their armor and everything. They send out their champion, Goliath. He was a giant. And he called out to the, to the Israelites, Have you got someone who has enough stuff to come and face me? We'll settle this one-to-one. And if I lose, we'll all be subject to you, all the Philistines. But if you lose, you'll all be subject to us. Just what? Just come on you think you're hard enough and all the warriors in the Israelite army oh, no except for David who had actually just turned up to bring some provisions for his brothers who were in the army and he heard the taunt of this giant and something just rose in him how dare he insult the true and living God he said I'll go and fight him and Saul gave him in his armor and he couldn't. He looked like Frodo, you know. Just, he couldn't wear the armor, didn't need the armor. He just took his sling and this. I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And he threw the sling and the stone sunk into Goliath's forehead and he fell. Bang! And if you read the story on, David goes up to Goliath, takes his sword, big old sword, and chops off his head. If you're squeamish, don't read that bit, just read the bit. <laughs> before. He would attempt things for God that other people wouldn't because he knew God was with him. God was with him. And if God was with him, who could stand against him? Giants would not intimidate him. Even a murderous king, when Saul turned against him and tried to kill him, he just trusted God. He never took things into his own hands. He just trusted God. Even the powerful enemies that stood against David in his latter years, he just trusted God. He also trusted God with his weakness. David was not a perfect man. (laughs) No way was he perfect. He had weaknesses and failings. He fell for Bathsheba, committed adultery, sent Bathsheba's husband to the front line so that he would be killed to free up Bathsheba. He had incredible weaknesses. But when you read through the accounts, he always came back to God with his repentance, distraught that he had let God down so much. Throughout his life, his confidence was not in his own strength or wisdom or abilities, but in God first. Yes, he was a warrior and yes, he was a king, but first of all, he was a worshipper of God. And we have his psalms to sing and to read as a recollection that this man was a worshipper first. If we want to be more Christ-like, we have to put God first. We have to be worshippers. That amazing revelation that David had, the Lord is my shepherd, and even in his weaknesses, threw himself on the Lord. Duncan, we recognize that you are a man called of God. We also recognize that you are a worshipper first and foremost. We have seen that in you. And we pray for you and for Anna, that you will have that faith and that trust in God to attempt great things for God even when people say it's impossible when it cannot be done if we are here to do the things that just can be done we won't do much we are here to do things that cannot be done, humanly speaking, because God is with us second hero Well, he's very close to David. It was a guy called Jonathan. He was David's best friend. Jonathan is an interesting character because he was Saul's son and heir. He was a bright, gifted young leader. He was fearless, again, because he knew God was greater than any enemy he faced. Jonathan was a man who inspired loyalty. I was reading through the accounts of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And uh, one day, Jonathan has this idea to go against the Philistines on his own. Just, you know. And his armor bearer says this, I will go with you, I am with you, heart and soul. I will go with you, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan was a man who inspired loyalty and courage in others. But Jonathan's bravery or his position in life in being the king's son is not as impressive as his heart. Jonathan had a humility and a capacity for selfless love. And that is so rare. Such a rare quality. Jonathan could have resented David. After all, he was the heir. He should have been king. But he considered David better than himself. He was prepared to step aside and even serve David. And uh, we pray that for you, Duncan and Anna, that you will have a heart like Jonathan's heart. That you will have a heart of humility. That you will be those who inspire loyalty. That when you go forward, others will say, yeah, well, if they're going, we're going. And for all of us, you know, to have that humble heart and to serve, not seeking recognition in that service. Not doing it well, if if I do it open enough, other people will notice. No, you you just serve for the king. He sees it all. Another hero is Joseph. Joseph, again, was a young man when God spoke to him. The promises that God gave him wouldn't come into fruition for many years. In fact, he got carried away a little bit because uh, young men do. Young men can be arrogant. and you know, I remember being a young man and very arrogant. At 17, his brothers had had enough of him and sold him into slavery. They were going to kill him, but they relented and just sold him into slavery. He ended up in Egypt. There he grew up and grew in character. And Joseph... If you look at him as a man, as a man with personal integrity and holiness. His rise to power and influence could only be a God thing. And such a rise often leads to pride. Even among God's people. If people esteem you and uh, flatter you, it's easy to get carried away and say, Well, yeah, I'm glad someone noticed at last. all about me. Joseph was different. He remained uncorrupted and uncorruptible. Whether it be financially, when he was put in charge of many assets, he proved to be trustworthy. Whether in our work life, whether we're uh, in business or whatever, that is a mark of us as people who follow Jesus Christ. We are trustworthy in that. We have integrity and people know that. Because we're doing it for Jesus. Politically, he was put in charge at one point of the whole of Egypt's um, uh, oversight. The Pharaoh just handed it over to to Joseph. But he was never corrupted by it. Sexually, he was pure. Even when uh, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him while her husband was away. He just ran even if it meant leaving his cloak in her hands, which she used against him, by the way, when she cried and all the servants came running and Joseph tried it on. Look, I've got his cloak here. And he was put in prison. Even there, he was a man of integrity, uncorruptible. Unjustly imprisoned, false accusations, but he never became bitter either. He just served. It's interesting that Joseph served even in prison. And wherever he went, God's blessing accompanied. Because when God finds someone who's just after his own heart, he just blessing accompanies. Blessing comes. Spiritually and moral, in a moral way, he had authority. And moral and spiritual authority come from a surrendered heart. He didn't lead a double life, he didn't sell out to the world's values, he wasn't brought low by temptation. One of the the old hymns that we do sing, and I think it was Duncan who introduced it to us, come thou fount of every blessing, has these words, prone to wander, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And I know Duncan well enough that when he sings it, he means it, because he knows it. And we all do, don't we? We are prone to wander. And for you in your roles in leadership, that will be the case. There will be temptations, all of those kinds. And for all of us, as we follow Jesus, those things will come. But it's the inner life that counts. The personal walk has to be up to it. And I pray that for you, Duncan and Anna, that you will have that Christ-like integrity and holiness in your personal walk with God, no matter what's going on, no matter what stage you're put on, that that will be the hallmark of you. And for all of us, wherever we're found, that we will have that as a hallmark of our lives. Joshua, what a great man of God. One of his defining moments was when he stood in front of the people and challenged them. Choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was a man who could cast a God-honoring vision and say, Now, this is the vision. Who's coming? It's time to make up your mind. He had the disappointment of seeing a whole generation not believe, turn back. And God had to wait for a new generation but Joshua was there to lead that new generation. He had patience to wait for God. So often in the scriptures, you'll find when God is at work in a man or a woman's life, He He gives a promise and then they have to wait, and they may have to wait years. We had the privilege of meeting with Laurie and Maggie, who were going out to Istanbul. And Laurie just shared with the leadership team of a word that was spoken to him many, many years ago. And he believes now it's coming to fruition. Seems to be the way God works. If you've had something spoken over you, hold on to it. Be patient. God hasn't turned his back on that word. And I know, particularly, I don't know Anna so much, but I know that, Duncan, words have been spoken over you throughout your life, from very small. You just hold on to them. Don't get impatient with them. God's in charge of that. Sometimes we want to make it happen ourselves. We want to, you know, force the issue. No, we wait on the Lord. Joshua had that kind of ability, but he also had the kind of ability that called people to make a decision, make a choice. And I... And I feel we we need to hold, hold that a bit more now, to step into this a bit more now, call people to decision a bit more now. Sometimes people just need an opportunity to decide. Sometimes they're just waiting for someone to say, do you want to become a Christian? If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you've never said that Jesus is the one for you, he's your savior, your Lord, you want to follow him for the rest of your life. Well, today make a decision. Even if you're sitting here, even if you've come for the very first time, make a decision. Follow Jesus. It will be the best thing you've ever done. If you've turned your back on him years ago and you're just hanging in with your fingertips, well, get back involved. Where are you going? Where is it going to end up? As Joshua would say, choose this day. As for me, my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Who else would you serve? Who else would you live your life for? Give your life for? We're waiting for Jesus to come again. He's coming. What will he find when he comes? I need more courage in that, don't you? So easy here on a Sunday morning. Speaking to my hairdresser this week. He loves to talk about God. I'm praying for him. But I need to call him to a decision because he just goes round the houses all the time. He's a lovely man. Final hero I want to mention briefly. Jeremiah the prophet. I mentioned Jeremiah because he was courageously honest with God. Because if you look at Jeremiah's ministry... <sighs> Um, it didn't really go very well. And he wasn't always very happy about it. Because he was actually called to be a prophet. If you have ambitions to be a prophet, well, God bless you in that. but It's often a lonely life. And, uh, but we need you. We do need you. But we treat you very badly. I apologize about that. So when things were not going well, when people seemed unresponsive... When the evil one seemed to get the upper hand, Jeremiah poured out his heart to God. And I'm grateful that he did, because it just gives us license to do the same. Just pour out our hearts, not to other people. This is the thing. Jeremiah didn't go grumbling to the others, the other prophets, or, or the gathering, at, you know, when they gathered for worship. He grumbled to God. That's the place to go grumbling. If you want to go grumbling, grumble to God. I grumble to God. He's fed up with me grumbling, I'm sure. But it helps. Humanly speaking, Jeremiah's ministry was not a success, but success is something God sees differently, doesn't he? Now we have this strange of what's successful. God doesn't see that. He looks at the heart. He looks at your heart. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be a preacher. I'm not going to be a church leader. I'm not going to. God is looking at your heart. Great in the kingdom of heaven. He was faithful to his calling, though. He didn't deny the disappointments. disappointments and he was always moved from despair to hope. And never lost touch of the faithfulness of God. I pray that. For you, Duncan and Anna, because there will be disappointments. There will be times when you think, oh, it's not how I thought it would be. Hang in there, grumble to God, no one else. Faith, David. Love and humility, Jonathan. Integrity and holiness, Joseph. Decisiveness and patience, Joshua. Authenticity and faithfulness, Jeremiah. And we could go on. That's why we have these scriptures as an abundance of inspiration for us. Great men and women of God that we can read about and say, yeah, I want to be a bit more like that. But primarily, obviously, our prayer for you and and Anna Duncan is that you be more like Jesus. And that you take hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you. And for all of us. If that's our ambition in life, to be more like Jesus, we won't go far wrong learning from those who we trust and love are around us, yeah, now, but from the scriptures as well. Our character in God's hands. So let's just pray once again for Duncan and for Anna. Lord, we do, we, we thank you for Duncan and Anna and we pray that they would be in their heart, in that inner place, in that place where no one sees a man and a woman after your own heart. And I pray that that would be guarded and in their lives, that that would be evident in all that they seek to do. So we pray for your blessing and we ask for ourselves, Lord, today that we might take hold of that for which you took hold of us. That we might follow you where you've placed us right now wherever that may be, and whether it's a hard place right now or an easy place, to live there for you and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to share communion. Edward's going to lead us in communion, uh, but we're going to sing before we do that.